Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Gouache Universe podcast. I'm your host, Gouache, that comic book artist that discusses comics, movies, science fiction, and pop culture news, all while changing the universe, one subject at a time. So we got a lot of hot topics to jump into this week in the pop culture stratosphere. So I'll be right back after this, and we're going to just get right into it. Okay, so first up, we're going to talk about something that's true and dear to my heart. It's been that way for several years now. Ghostbusters. Now, of course, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, but I just want to say this is not a spoiler. I'm not giving away any spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm just going to, you know, loosely talk around what I thought about the movie. Um... You know, my thoughts and impressions, how I felt about the characters, and just my overall general opinion of the film. Um, but there's no spoilers, so, um, you know, the things that I talk about, basically, you know, you can pretty much see them in the, the trailer and everything. But, um, but uh, yeah, man, so Ghostbusters Afterlife. First, I gotta say, it's a long time coming. I mean, it's been, what, almost 30 years since Ghostbusters 2. And I love that film. I mean, you know, Ghostbusters 2, of course, Ghostbusters is a classic. You know, the original Ghostbusters is a classic. I don't think, you know, it's kind of hard to top, you know, the classic, you know, the first one. You know, that's for any trilogy or any film. It's all that first one is always like, you know, the benchmark. And then everything else of that, you're trying to either reach those that climax of that height or you're trying to surpass it. Um, but with that said, uh, just to, you know, uh, start things off, you know, I think Ghostbusters 2 was a, a a very adequate sequel. It was definitely a great continuation of the characters, of the story, of the franchise, of the entire, you know, Ghostbusters universe. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's arguably debatable. I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, they have their favorite. You know, some people think that, you know, the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, of course, was the best, and that's the only one that they acknowledge but then you have your others like myself who not only think the original ghostbusters was a classic but i also think ghostbusters 2 is a modern classic you know um i thought that film uh initially when i saw it you know i knew it was it was somewhat of a not as great as the first one but it was still good and you know over the years the more times i see it the more that line kind of gets blurred. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're kind of like, okay, when I, upon first viewing, you know, because sometimes you got to see things more than once in order order to, you know, really appreciate it. And um, with this film, I, I got to say Ghostbusters 2, I thought that film, the more, the more that I saw the film, the more I really enjoyed it. You know, I found myself enjoying, you know, the characters, the characters were the same. They, they looked like they had fun. They enjoyed each other. You know, you can tell that, you know, they they really had a good time making that film on set. Um, the story was good. It was definitely a continuation of what came before. Um, and um, I loved it. Um, and then, you know, we had this long period of time where, you know, you had Ghostbusters in the pop culture you know, atmosphere. It was in the conversation of pop culture, but you know, most fans always wanted that third sequel. We always wanted that third film. Uh, 
that we kind of sort of never got, you know, up until this point. Um, I know that uh, I remember when uh, Ghostbusters, the video game came out. This was back in 2009. When that game came out, that game was a, what's the word? It's a, a wonder kind. You know what I mean? I mean, that the game was so good. It was, to me, up until this point, it was the sequel. It was Ghostbusters 3 that we never got. And um, if I'm sure if, you know, if, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, you know about that game. It, it came out in, I believe it was 2009 or 2010. And it was released on, you know, the, the popular systems back in the day, back during that time, you know, which was Xbox 360, PlayStation, and I think Nintendo had a variation of the game. But um, what was special about this game is that all of the, the characters and the actors reprised their roles uh, from the film into the game. And they all did their characters and did voiceovers for their characters in the game. You know, you had everyone from Bill Murray to, uh, you know what, I think, yeah, William Atherton uh, came back and his uh, sleazy character and the sleazy uh, lawyer character from the original. He was in it, Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, uh, uh, Janine, you know, Annie Potts was in it, Harold Ramis, you know, all the characters, you know, returned to their to their roles, you know, for the most part, 90% of the characters returned. And I thought that was so great because the, the, the Ghostbusters are the key to the franchise. You know, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, those, that's the, that chemistry that undeniable on-screen chemistry is what uh, was the main ingredient, or I would say one of the main ingredients of the films. And so to have that ingredient, you know, brought into the game, it made the game that much more special. And I just couldn't, at the time, I couldn't believe they did it. I'm like, wow, this game is like, this is Ghostbusters 3, Ghostbusters 3 pretty much. Um, you know, because it took place, you know, like, what, uh, two years after uh, Ghostbusters 2. Or one year, I think it was one year. I think Ghostbusters 2, of course, came out in 1989. And the video game uh, within the universe, uh, the events of that universe took place in 1991. So that was that was unique and special about it. But anyway, I say that to say for a long time, you know, that was considered my Ghostbusters 3. And so now, cut to now, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now going in, I was I was excited and because everything that I've seen leading up to the release had been positive. The first teaser trailer, the first um, full trailer, you know, uh, the word of mouth, you know, the director, Jason Reitman, you know, being the son of Ivan Reitman and it all being, you know, in the family, you know, and um, you know, Jason Reitman being a, a, a top-notch filmmaker in his own right, you know. And uh, every, like I said, everything leading up to the release, you know, was looking, you know, just positive. And I got to say, when I saw the film, all of that buildup was rewarded. Because the film was, it had so much heart. It was a definite continuation in respect to you know what came before the 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 legacy of the characters the legacy of the story the legacy of the franchise everything was 
was uh, paid attention to in detail in in this particular film. Um, I thought that the the pacing of the film was good. I really liked the the character interactions with each other. I liked the chemistry between all of the characters. And of course, you know, we know by the trailer that, you know, um, McKenna Grace's character, uh, she's uh, the granddaughter of Egon. And um, I really like that aspect of the story. Now, that's not a spoiler. That was in the trailer. You know, that's uh, that was all a part of the, the trailer. And that reveal was was there. But um, I really like the, you know, how the characters interacted with each other. I thought that one of the, the great things about the Ghostbusters, you know, one and two, and of course, the animated series and everything was that those character relations. And that's one of the things that we come to see, you know, besides, you know, busting ghosts and things like that. We really like those, that character interaction with each other in relation to doing something so supernaturally science fiction-y, you know what I mean? And horrific, you know? And so I thought that uh, the director, Jason Reitman, really captured that, you know, with this, uh, with this film. Um, the story was great. Uh, I really, really liked the story. I really liked the fact that they really kind of focused on bringing back the horror aspect of Ghostbusters because um, I think Ghostbusters 2 it was horrific but um, dare I say that they kind of uh, numbed it down a little bit you know because at that time when Ghostbusters 2 came out you know we had already had like four years of uh, the Ghostbusters the real Ghostbusters animated series and by that time you know a lot of kids were getting into it and you know it became you know a worldwide phenomenon and so I think you know, the studio had that in mind where, you know, we want to kind of make it more kid friendly and everything. But not that's not to say that Ghostbusters 2 didn't have its adult humor and an adult, you know, uh, uh, comedy and, and, and subject matter and things like that. But um, but here I really like the fact that they really, um, really uh, brought more of that horror, horrific aspect of the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. Um, uh, which was, you know, prevalent in the original Ghostbusters. I like how they brought that here. And um, that was just perfect. I mean, just from when it starts off, you know, at the very beginning, it was just mind-blowing. I mean, it was just mind-blowing because I couldn't believe. I was like, I can't believe they did that. I mean, wow. You know, it started, the way it began was somewhat horrific. You know, like I said, I'm not going to give it away, but um, just the opening, uh, the opening five minutes was just wow. I was on the edge of my seat, you know, and it was a mixture of intense, uh, suspenseful, scary, uh, horrific, and just uh, you have to see it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, man, I I really enjoyed the film. Um, like I said, the characters, the story. I really liked the theme of the film. Um, once again, without giving away spoilers, I really liked how, you know, like I said, you know, even in the trailer, you got a sense that it was, uh, the film was kind of like a self, uh, like a self, uh, what's the word? Kind of like a discovering uh, your roots uh, sort of thing, you know, uh, from, you know, in the trailer, you know, uh, Paul Rudd's character, you know. He says, wait, you never seen a ghost trap before? You know, you know, New York in the 80s was like, you know, the walking dead. And, you know, once the ghost trap started to, you know, come alive, he dropped in and like, wait a minute, who 
who are you? And then, of course, you know, she reaches for, you know, the suits in the, the closet and you see Spangler and everything. So just by that alone, you can tell that it was, okay, this is, it's, it's got some type of aspect of, you know, discovering your roots and discovering who you are and everything. So with that said, I say that to say that you know, I really like that aspect, uh, that theme of it. You know, it was kind of like, you know, uh, self-discovery, you know, uh, going back to the past, you know, to discover, you know, kind of like a coming of age type of thing, you know, on the canvas of <laughs> ghost busting or whatever. Um, so I really like that. And, um, you know, just the attention to detail, you know, certain things that you, you really loved about the original, you know, uh, they kind of hinted at certain things here, like, you know, like certain scenes where it's like, oh, okay, that's like a callback to such and such scene from, you know, the original or, or whatever, you know, and, um, they really handled that perfectly. I really, I really like those little Easter eggs and, and callbacks. You know, and I, I got to say that, well, if I say this, then I say I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give it away. I'll just say this, that I like that this film succeeded as being, you know, a, a legacy film, handling a legacy franchise. This film succeeded where I've personally felt that the Star Wars sequel trilogy somewhat failed. Um... You know, as far as like missed opportunities in that Star Wars sequel trilogy. And um, like I said here, they succeeded in what the Star Wars sequel trilogy should have done. But anyway, um, that's the closest I can say about that, you know, without giving anything away. But um, yeah, I really I really loved it. I really loved uh, the big bad. I love the villain, uh, like the handling of the villain. Um there was some surprises in it too. There was some shocking surprises. I was like, you know, certain things that I saw on screen, I was like, wait a minute, is that, can that be? Nah, that's not, you know, because I did not know that uh, this particular, uh, what's the word? Um, I did not know that this particular occurrence was in this film. And um, you'll see when, once you see the film, you know, I, I may end up doing a spoiler review so I can, you know, talk about it in full, but um, I'll just say that there were some prizes in the film that I didn't expect, and I was pleasantly surprised. And certain some surprises were like, "Oh, wow, okay." <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, man, I wish I could talk about it, but you know, this is not the spoiler review. But uh, but see, what else? Um, so themes. Uh, oh, the music. Oh. oh man, just from the opening scene. You know, it's got that classic Elmer Bernstein uh, music uh, motif, you know, from the that I really enjoyed from the first one, you know, that first film, you know, and I thought that that was it just totally set the movie. I'm like, OK, OK, just the music alone is just already getting me invested in the story that just hooked me immediately, you know, in the opening credits, you know, and um you know, over the Columbia Pictures logo and everything. It was just perfect. A perfect callback, and they actually altered it um, in a certain way that it was different, but still the same. Um, so if you know anything about the Elmer Bernstein uh, score from uh, the original uh, film, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, So the music throughout was great. Um, of 
course, all the actors were, they played their parts well. Um, they all did their parts well. They all, you know, gave it their 100%. The, chem the chemistry was there. Um, the acting, the story, the emotion, the heart, everything about this film was just great. And um, I saw it two times. That's right. Your main man, Guan, saw the film twice. And that rarely happens. Uh, yep, I saw the film twice, and um, it was definitely worth it. You know, uh, when I saw it the first time, I went in with just with just shock and, and awe of how great the film was. But then when I saw it the second time, I was so excited, you know, to not only experience that again, but to watch and, and witness other people experience it for the first time, if that makes any sense. Um, so that was great. Um, and I knew what to look for, and so I couldn't wait to see certain scenes that I had already seen. So that was another fun aspect of it. Um, for me, I think they all did such a great job, all the actors and everything, but I really think the heart and soul of this film rested on uh, McKenna Grace. Um, she did an excellent job um, for this to be one of her uh, first leading uh, roles and everything. I thought she did a great job of like, uh, this show, this this film was just like, uh, I heard another person say, uh, fit squarely on her, on her shoulders. And it fit perfectly because she did an amazing job. Um, I really enjoyed her little quirky uh, character traits and everything and how it relates to previous characters. And it was just, and just the, there were certain scenes where it kind of made me tear up a little bit, you know, um, in a scene towards uh, the end of the film, or I would say towards the, the climax of the film, which kind of like was very teary. And it was very kind of uh, an emotional scene between her, uh, McKenna Grace's character and uh, her mom. And I thought that that was uh, just that scene, entire scene was just very emotional and, you know, very kind of pugged tugs on your heartstrings as far as like you know especially if you've been a fan of the franchise uh up until this point you know if, if you're a Ghostbusters fan that'll really you know tug on your heartstrings you know even if you're a casual fan it'll still tug on your uh your, your heartstrings as a as you know in relation to you know just being a certain theme in life that you know affects you know us all of humanity as far as like rediscovering your roots and everything like that and the search you know, for acceptance and fitting in and knowing who you are, you know, even from that regard, it'll pull on your heartstrings or whatever. But, um, yeah, man, uh, you know, uh, it was great, man. If I were to give it, uh, you know, stars, if I were to give it a rating system, I would give it uh, five out of five stars. You know, the film was just perfect. I mean, you know, I can't really, I can't really think of anything else that, you know, any flaws. I mean, if I look at it more, I can see that there might be uh, some flaws um, the more and more I watch it. But, you know, as of this point right now, I think the film was just perfect. It was great. Um, oh, and it was just, there's, if you haven't seen the film yet, there's two post-credit scenes. So there's one mid-credit scene and then there's an end-credit scene after all the credits roll. And man, I gotta tell you, that end-credit scene, I mean, the mid-credit scene was good. That was uh, it was funny and it was good. But the end-credit scene, it really kind of gives you an indication of what the possibilities 
of this franchise could look like moving forward. And I got to tell you, man, I'm excited about that. I mean, if if they're going where I think they're going, I mean, there's so many possible directions that you can go in that, you know, my mind just started to race, you know, once that, uh, once I got out of the film and I thought about that, not only the film itself, but the end credit scene and where they can go with it. Um, they can take it in, you know, an entirely fresh and new direction, you know, um, which could be familiar, but still fresh and new at the same time. Um, so yeah, so make sure you stay, stay around until the end credit scene because um, it's a doozy um, and it kind of gives you that uh, tease of what could be or what, what is to come. Um, yeah, so it was perfect. It was just perfect, man. I really enjoyed it. You know, the music, the themes, the acting, the characters, the story, oh, and how they paid such detail, even to, you know, the usage of the proton packs. You know, they even paid attention to just the sounds and, you know, when you switch it on, just the sound that's, that it makes, you know, the the force and when you're actually firing it. I mean, I felt like I was actually firing a proton pack myself, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed the film. I mean, I thought it was perfect. So go out and see it, you know, in IMAX on the biggest screen possible, if you can, because the film Ghostbusters Afterlife is perfection. So, yeah, this, um, next topic, um, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man, No Way Home, uh, Dude, this film is gaining so much traction. I've never seen anything like this in my life, man. I mean, they just dropped another trailer and they've been dropping, you know, these little teases and, you know, these character posters and things like this, man. Who's not in this film? I mean, you know, the tickets are selling out all across the Internet. You know, you got scalpers selling the tickets at a thousand dollars a pop. I've never seen anything like it, man. So I don't know. I know this film. I suspect that this film is going to be like a a pandemic blockbuster. You know, uh, this might be the biggest one. I mean, we've had a few blockbusters doing, you know, the pan pandemic thus far, but this one, man, I don't know. It's growing, growing such at a fever pitch that uh, I don't know. It just might, you know, like blow up, like might crack the theaters or something. I don't know, but. Uh, I'm excited, man. I mean, you know, like I said, who's not in this film? You know, we got the Sinister Six. They're not calling it the Sinister Six right now. Um, there's five thus far. So I don't know who's the, the sixth one. Is, is, is Tom Hardy's Venom going to show up? You know, this, there's so much secrecy around this film. And, you know, I, I noticed just by looking at the trailers, they're showing variations of the same uh, scene. You know, they kind of did that trick with uh, Endgame where they showed, you know, variations of the same scene, so you really didn't know what was going to happen in the film. And with this, I got to say, I don't know what's going to happen. The only thing I know is, you know, Doctor Strange screwed up something uh, during his little spell casting situation, and uh, the multiverse opens up, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, I, I, I got to admit, I'm excited, man. I mean, you know, just to see... You know, Green Goblin, man, just to see him back. You know, Willem Dafoe. I mean, that's exciting alone. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, he upgrades that uniform because that that's one of the things I didn't like about uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Um, 
which was the Green Goblin's uniform. It looked more like, you know, a Power Rangers outfit. And so, you know, hopefully they rectify that, you know, um, you know, through the film because then maybe he'll have, you know, two uniforms or whatever. But anyway, I'm just ex excited to see him back, you know, in the Green Goblin uh, role of Norman Osborn, you know. But, uh, man, like I said, it's just, man, it's, this film is gaining so much traction that it's kind of like, man, I, I was excited beforehand, but now it's like my attraction is through the roof, you know, through the, the rooftops. <laughs> but uh, let me see. Let me, let me pull up this article and see what they're saying. Um, okay, Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah, okay, this is about the posters. Spider-Man No Way Home posters put the spotlight on the villains. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home may not be the last MCU Spider-Man movie, but it's upping the stakes for Peter Parker. To restore his secret identity, Peter asked Doctor Strange to cast a spell to make the world forget what it learned. However, the spell unleashed bad guys from Spider-Man's cinematic past. Now, Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures uh Spider-Man No Way Home posters have put the spotlight on the villains, of course. Um, of course, we got, you know, Adam Molina, uh, Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2, uh, front and center. We got Jamie Foxx's Electro with a, a definite uh, character upgrade as far as his uniform. Um, he's not a blue smurf anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, uh, let's see, although he looked a lot more like Mr. Freeze than Electro in Amazing Spider-Man True. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, he looks actually cool here. I mean, he's got the yellow appearance from the comics and he's got the little yellow little head reef or whatever you want to call it, Electro head reef. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a practical way that they're actually using that effect uh, or to the desired effect. As Sam Jackson might say. Um, so I can't wait to see uh, what variation of Electro he's going to be in this film. Uh, of course, and of course, we've got Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Um, man, he looks cool here. I know that's the same uh, Power Rangers getup, but, you know, looks like they altered it just a little bit. He does look a little scary in this poster. If you get a chance, you know, go online I'm looking at uh, superherohype.com. That's where I'm reading the article and looking at the posters. Um, oh, okay. And it also says, uh, of course, we saw that Sandman in the trailer, but it says here, Thomas Hayden Church and uh, is going to be reprising his role as Sandman. Um, and also, Reese, I hope I'm pronouncing this name right, Rice Ethan's played lizard in the amazing spider-man um you see the article says sandman's thomas hayden church and lizard rise Ethans will also uh, be rumored to return to menace peter parker or tom holland however they don't have their own posters yet nor have they been officially confirmed hmm yeah so i mean like i said in the trailer you know we actually see sandman but we don't actually see the physical uh, embodiment of the of the um, of the characters, just like the special effect. But we don't actually see Thomas Hayden Church and uh, Rise Evans. 
you know. So, man, I'm excited. I mean, just to see who's in it, you know. I mean, is uh, Gwen Stacy going to show up? You know, is uh, I mean, I'm like, wow, there's, there's so many question marks behind this film. You know, it's exciting. Is uh, Mysterio going to make another cameo? Is Tom Hardy going to make a, a cameo? I mean, I can't wait to see what the end credit scenes are going to be like. You know, uh, Vulture, you know, is he the sixth member of the Sinister Six? Man, it's, it's exciting, man. So I'm looking forward to this Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, just on the uh, excitement value, anticipation value alone, you know. So we'll see. We will see. Okay, so this next story uh, really caught me by surprise, but I wanted to talk about it. Um, it's uh, Danny DeVito uh, returning to uh, one of his most beloved characters, which is the Penguin from Batman Returns. Um, now, what got my attention is I originally, um, it caught my attention because I saw a graphic of Danny DeVito and then I saw you know him drawn in comic form and so I'm just thinking that it was going to be you know just a kind of a, a revisit you know or just you know sometimes you know artists comic book artists kind of you know once if a movie is popular they'll uh, continue to draw their that character to look kind of like to fit in line with the, what the character looks like in the movie you know to kind of ride the wave of popularity so I just thought it was just oh okay he looks like you know, Danny DeVito did in Batman Returns. But then once I kind of read further, it's um, actually Danny DeVito's uh, writing uh, the character. You know, I was like, mm, that's interesting, you know. Uh, so basically, Danny DeVito uh, will be writing. Uh, well, I'm, at this point, he's already done it. He wrote uh, uh, his character that he played in Batman Returns in a comic, which is uh, his yet to come out yet um so this story is also coming from superhero hype so i'll just read it um it says here danny devito explains his penguin catwoman comic book romance story um goes on to say last summer word broke that danny devito is making his comic book writer debut in gotham city villains anniversary giant number one a new one-shot special that celebrates the 80th anniversary of the Penguin's first appearance in Detective Comics number 48 in 1941. Hmm, that's interesting. That's uh, that's one way to do it, you know, to celebrate. Um, to you know, to celebrate one of the highlights in you know that character's history, and that was a big highlight in '92 with uh, Batman Return. He was a great. It was a great uh, turn in that character. Um, uh, DeVito teamed with artist Dan Mora on Bird, the name of the title is called Bird Cat Love, a short story that explores an unlikely romance between Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin, and Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. Um, it goes on to say, in 1992, DeVito famously played Penguin in Batman Returns along Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Uh, DeVito's shared Batman connection DeVito's shared Batman connection with the actress is why he felt the need to reach out to Pfeiffer before writing the story. Oh, okay. Hmm, interesting. Um, it goes on to say, he says, I did call Michelle and tell her that I was doing it. 
said DeVito in a new interview with Forbes. I said, look, it's like my fantasy and it's my dream come true to have an incredible romance with such a beautiful woman. Oswald, I'm talking about, and Selena. She was very excited to hear about it. Uh, Michelle was very excited to hear about this. Um, I would assume so because, you know, many and many times I've heard that Michelle Pfeiffer herself would like to return to the role of Catwoman. And which I hope she does. I, I remember, you know, back in the day, she was scheduled to do um, her own solo Catwoman film. And I think uh, Tim Burton was uh, on board to produce it. But of course, you know, when he dropped out of, you know, doing the sequel to Batman Returns because the studio wanted to make movies, make Batman, you know, to sell toys and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, he didn't like the direction that, you know, they were going in. Um, I'm sure everything else kind of went by the wayside, which included uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's solo Catwoman film because she was just such a powerhouse in that, that film. You know, everyone loved her in that film. Um, so I'm sure she was excited about, you know, to hear this, that DeVito was returning to the character because I know she wants to do it again. She said that she would do it, you know, even in an interview. Uh, someone recently asked uh, Michelle Pfeiffer if she would be interested in you know, reprising her role as Catwoman. And um, she said, sure, she would love to do it. And in fact, I think she says she still has the whip in her closet. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, what, what were we talking about? Uh, I, <laughs> I started thinking about that whip and, um, oh yeah, yeah. So DeVito. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but um, yeah, so, you know, and of course, now that we've got Keaton returning to the role of uh, Batman in The Flash, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, she can totally come back as Catwoman because, you know, she still looks great, you know, and uh, she's still a powerhouse actress. I mean, she can def totally come back and reprise that character and it can be within the same universe, you know, just like several years later, just like they're doing in the Flash film, you know, they're having Keaton come back to play the same character, but like aged up you know in the same universe but several years later so it would be great to see michelle pfeiffer you know come back in some regard you know um in the future but i'm kind of getting off the subject i originally i'm originally talking about this devito comic book so um it goes on to say um uh devito says i'm so excited about it uh i've never done anything like that before but i've always been a big fan of dc from the time I was a kid, I had a giant collection of all kinds of comics. I love the Penguin, I love Oswald, and of course, doing the movie with Tim Burton was one of the highlights of my career. See what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, just the commitment and respect. You know what I'm saying? But uh, he goes on to say, I love that character so much. It was thrust upon me at a time when I've always been in love with Catwoman. Not only Oswald being in love with Catwoman, but Danny being in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, see, it goes on to say, I jumped on the opportunity, and the first thing that came to mind was the romance. Within the story, Penguin and Catwoman find a common purpose during a worldwide pandemic. Naturally, it was inspired by the ongoing COVID crisis. It was in the middle of COVID and I saw, I said, look at what love can do, said Tavito. I just applied it to the story and I sat down and in a few weeks, 
I had knocked out the whole idea and wrote it and they responded to it and to have Dan Mora, the artist, uh, to do the artwork is brilliant. His stuff is so masterful. I feel blessed to be in that company and the way it turned out, I couldn't be happier. Um, Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant number one is out in comic book store. Oh, it's out now. Oh, okay. So I can, I might go on Comixology and pick that up, uh, pick that up today. Um, wow. That's great, man. You know, that's great. I didn't, I didn't know that he was actually writing the book himself. Um, so I know he has such a passion for the character and everything. So it's great. You know, sometimes they, you know, they say, write what you know. And he knows that character so well, you know, after portraying him, you know, to perfection back in the day. So I'm curious to see what that storyline is like. And um, just looking at the art, um, he's right. And I like the, the the design of everything, of the characters and the character design and everything that Dan Mora is, uh, has drafted and everything. So, but uh, man, this all gets me excited, man. You know, we've living in the age of you know, things coming back, you know, nostalgia, the 90s, everything is coming back around again. And um, just to hear Danny DeVito returning to Penguin, Michael Keaton returning to Batman. We waiting on you, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's all about you, girl. <laughs> we waiting on you. So, uh, man, I'm excited, man. I hope, um, hope something comes of all this. He, I think... I read somewhere that he said that he would um, he would love to team with, up with uh, Tim Burton again to reprise the character. Um, I don't know how they can make it work, but in the age of multiverses and, you know, just things, just being, you know, just it could work, you know, somehow, you know, uh, at the end of Batman Returns, you know, we didn't actually see him. Well, we saw him uh, fall over and the penguins, you know, lowered him down into the into the water, to icy water. Spoiler alert. Um, but uh, we never actually see him take that last breath. He could have, you know, they could have lowered him down. And when he got under that water, <laughs> he was like, wait, wait, I'm still alive. <laughs> I can breathe. I can breathe, you know. So maybe he fainted, you know, uh, when he fell on the ground. And when they lowered him down into the water, all he needed was the water to kind of revive him. Because, you know, like penguins, you know, water is healing to them you know so it could play that angle you know like he came back you know to consciousness you know he was kind of hurt for a minute you know but then you know he woke up when he got that drink of water you know so anyway they i mean they can do anything they can they can play it i mean just people will be just so happy to have that character come back you know be back again that they would even they would surpass it you know um, just look at, look at, um, Spider-Man No Way Home. You know, you're bringing back, uh, Dr. Octopus and he clearly died, uh, in the first Spider-Man, well, the second Spider-Man. So, you know, again, spoiler alert. I mean, by this time, I'm sure everyone has seen it, but, um, yeah, man, go ahead, DC, make this happen. You know, get on that, you know, bring DeVito, Keaton and Mich Michelle Pfeiffer back in their characters and because I think you know Keaton is supposed to be signed on to make several more appearances as Bruce Wayne and older Bruce Wayne you know for DC so I, I don't think this was just a one and done thing in fact I think I reported on that um, the last time I talked about Keaton uh, in this podcast this in one of my podcasts about him returning to Flash I think he signed on for 
uh, multiple appearances. So in some of those multiple appearances, you know, we should we can get maybe some flashbacks or some in continuity 30 years later, you know, reality of what's going on. And maybe Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, her Catwoman can, you know, pop up again or something. I don't know. But um, but man, this comic is uh, is um, intriguing to me. So I'm thinking about, you know, purchasing that today. If you get a chance, you know, look into it um, because it's a blast from the past. And it's also uh, the actor who portrayed the character to perfection is writing the story. So, you know, there's love and attention to detail within the story. So, um, so I will definitely be checking this out. Yeah, so this next uh, topic, I just wanted to briefly talk about Hawkeye. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, it's uh, As of right now, it's up to episode three. And man, um, first of all, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. This is just my overall opinion of the show. Um, I think it's great so far. Um, it's definitely keeping my interest. It's definitely, you know, keeping me wondering what's going to happen next um i know certain characters uh if you watched any of the other disney plus shows and namely uh actually not no it wasn't disney plus it was uh black widow if you're keeping up with the marvel cinematic universe and every in all its entities then you know certain in credit scenes uh tease that we might see certain characters in the hawkeye series so if you know what that is, you know what you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, looking forward to you know that. And um, man, it's episode three. Like I said, I'm not giving away any spoilers, but um, it was a major tease that uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to. I I couldn't believe it. And uh, I'm still like, whoa, is this is this really going to happen? It's, I mean, this is amazing. You know, if it does, you know, but um. You know, it's the word. It's all connected. But, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm really enjoying the show. You know, I think this is great for the character Clinton Barton. Um, I also think it's great for Kate Bishop, you know, just to see that team dynamic. And uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, Haley Steinfeld, they're just killing it in their roles. And their chemistry, their on-screen chemistry is is uh, was, is great. Um, so, so far, so good. I think... Um, I don't know how many episodes there is. I, I don't know. Is it eight? Is it six? Um, yeah, but yeah, so far I'm, I'm entertained. I really don't want it to end. Um, but uh, it's good. I just wanted to hop on here and just say that I like the direction that it's going in. And uh, can't wait to, to see how it turns out. But definitely check it out. Uh, the Hawkeye series. It's on uh, Disney Plus right now. Well, guys, I want to thank you for sticking with me during this uh, Gouache Universe podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, I'm always going to be back in the weeks to come to talk about everything that's going on in pop culture and science fiction and movie news and all the good stuff, all the all the things. Um, be sure to check out my, uh, uh, my comic book, which is in stores right now. It's on Comixology. You can pick that up. It's called The Native Quest. Science fiction fantasy is a dream come true. It's a comic book that I've, a labor of love that I've had in my heart for years. Um, 
You can also check me out on all the interwebs, uh, the dark web, the light web, and all of the webs. Um, just at Gouache Universe. And um, also got, uh, if you go to my uh, Instagram, um, you can check out, go to my link tree. Um, I'm also getting into clothing. Uh, I got some of my designs on uh, some clothing uh, at the moment. Um, there'll be more things to come, more items that I put my designs on. But uh, if you go to my Instagram and, and click on my link tree, you can see the link to that. It's at, uh, once again, it's at Gouache Universe. Um, you know, I'm, I'm branching out, you know, you know, just uh, branching out, you know, seeing what I can do, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. So, um, yeah, thanks again for joining me in this episode. And like I said, I'll be back in the future to talk about the things to come um, that's going on in pop culture. But until then, I'll see you in the universe.